from a network of highly secure top secret locations across South Texas. This is the Spurs Insider, the podcast where we don't always win, but never lose on purpose. I am your host, as always, Mike Finger, joined by Express News beat writers, Tom Orsborn and Jeff McDonald, the two guys who on a day-to-day basis cover like no one else. The team that is, as of this recording, in play-in position. What to make of this, Jeff McDonald? First of all, are you sure we never lose on purpose? Not on purpose. Well, Not you can speak purpose. for your, you can speak for yourself on that one, because I, okay. I often lose on purpose. Okay. How about your team? They do not apparently, and will not. They refuse. They refuse to lose on purpose. Because they want to get in that play-in spot and and uh, uh, battle, I guess, the New Orleans Pelicans and then either the Los Angeles Clippers or the Minnesota Timberwolves with for the right to uh, face the Phoenix Suns in the first round. So, well, they they have not assured themselves that they won't be facing the the Lakers of Los Angeles either are, are also in this well, mix. I'm, I'm, yeah, that's true. But I'm just making the assumption that if the uh, Spurs get in, it's partially do because of the, the Lakers did not. I mean, that's kind of what we're, that's kind of what we've been watching in the last uh, few weeks. Um, two things have happened at once. Um, nobody behind the spur. It's become a three team race, right? New Orleans, LA and the Spurs. Those are the three teams that seem to want it. No team behind the Spurs is going to catch them, nor does any team behind the Spurs want to catch them. So that's one thing that's happened. And then the Lakers have just plummeted to where it looks as if, they might not win another game um, ever again this season. And if that happens, the Spurs are going to get in and the Lakers are not. The, um, like, it's just, it adds to the weirdness of this season and just this era of uh, local cager basketball that the longest undefeated road trip of the past 15 years, and this is no... To, to go back to our regular podcast, Whipping Boy, this is no Sacramento Kings franchise. This is a uh, this is the the most successful franchise of the millennium in the NBA, and their longest undefeated road trip in 15 years is one where maybe half the fan base, maybe I'm over or underestimating that, is like, why are you why do you keep winning? They won four games on this road trip, three like in crunch time where they had to, you know, uh, make plays down the stretch. And, and it was for, for well, people who were looking for encouraging signs from this, from the youngsters, they played well to win three close games down the stretch. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and you, they might not have done themselves a favor by winning these four games in the, in the big picture. I, I mean, if the, if the road trip had gone differently, we'd be talking, a, I, I think it would have clarified some things and we'd be talking about a different story right now. We'd be talking about a team that uh, was, it would be trying to maximize its its lottery chances. I think one thing you can say, I mean, yes, there are teams that are actively trying to lose games at this point of the season and trying all not other to, teams, all right. teams below. The but Spurs the point is back. those teams didn't, didn't make that decision while they still had a decent chance of getting in the play. They made that decision when it was out of reach. Anyway, I mean, for like Houston, it was out of reach from game one. Sure. Sacramento's sure. maybe the only team that uh, maybe they were in it for a while, but like the, te- the teams that, that, that have a chance go for it. And I think that's, that's one thing point. we're seeing with this play in with this play in era is it's, it's caused more teams to go for it. 
And I, you, I think that might be a good thing. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's made for some interesting basketball down the stretch. But this, like you mentioned, the Spurs on that road trip, three of those wins were by like a combined nine points. If they lose two of those, you know, maybe they're looking at a different situation heading down the stretch. But now that they're in it and they have, you know, two games left at home against Portland, which is one of the teams that is actively trying to lose games, um, right. you know, it, it looks like they have a chance to um, fend off the Lakers and get that 10th spot. And, and, I mean, we can talk about whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think there's arguments on both sides. Like, everything, like every L, everything else that we've talked about on this podcast, that Spurs fans have talked about on this podcast, every decision the team has made in the past three, four, five years, I can see arguments on both sides. Like, I don't, I don't really have a strong feeling. Like, I'm never going to kill a team for trying to win basketball games because that's the point, right? But I could, if they had decided to, to close up shop heading into this road trip, after uh, New Orleans had beaten the living dog out of them before they left for the road trip, I wouldn't have killed them for that either. Like, there's arguments to be had on both sides. Maybe the most pivotal game um, in, in exactly what you're talking about that decided, you know, whether the Spurs keep fighting for the rest of the season was a, um, a dramatic ending that Tom Orsborn witnessed in the, uh, in the Bay Area in, in, the, in the beautiful city of San Francisco. And it was on a, a, a dramatic NCAA tournament night. And I will admit that I did not see this live, but it was quite a finish for your local cagers against the Golden State Warriors came right down to the wire. Uh, Tom, uh, we'll, we'll bring you into this. You haven't spoken yet in this podcast. Talk about that and just this whole, uh, this whole situation that the Spurs are in. I haven't spoken, but I did chuckle at the, at the mention of Sacramento being our, our <laughs> whipping boy. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, you mentioned that dramatic ending and, um, you know, the guy whose fingerprints were all over that road trip was DeJounte Murray. And um, in San Francisco, um, you know, it was, it was Kelton Johnson who, who had the putback rebound putback uh, that, that, provided the winning points, but DeJounte tipped it to him after having a discussion with uh, Josh Richardson about which of the guards was going to crash the boards. And Josh volunteered and um, or, or said he was going to do it, and DeJounte overruled him, which was a great call, um, you know, considering his length and everything. He he got in there and tipped it to Keldon, who, who put it back for the – for the winning points after a miss by uh, Jakob Pertl on the second uh, free throw attempt. But yeah, DeJounte's fingerprints are all over those wins. And, you know, since, you know, we're talking about wanting to make the playoffs and everyone's competitive or most, most everyone's competitive in the NBA, but he kind of set the tone. I forget which road trip it was. Um, it might've been that, uh, Cleveland, Atlanta, New Orleans, Chicago, where, where he said, you know, hell yeah, we want to make the playoffs. And uh, yeah, he's just kind of driven them or, you know, not carried them, but um, his, his leadership uh, has kind of set the tone. And uh, yeah, so that, that's what stood out to me about that game in uh, Golden State was uh, he actually made the winning play uh, there in crunch time. 
So how do you tell that guy, DeJounte Murray, hey, we're right on the cusp of the play-in. Now go sit down for the rest of the season so we don't make it. Yeah, you you don't. And it's very easy. I, I want to admit it's very easy for the the the, the fat cat uh, columnists like myself to opine, opine <laughs> from afar and say this team is not uh, this team is not is sort of doing itself a disservice by continuing to win down the stretch. And I know a lot of the fans kind of tuned out down the stretch of this season um, because there doesn't seem to be. I mean, playing for the tenth seed isn't what this fan base is accustomed to, but. Basically, what I'm trying to say is it's easy to forget that these guys are playing for something. And um, there have been encouraging steps. And, yes, some of the victories have come against teams that aren't very good. I mean, they, they had to kind of gut it out against the Rockets who were actively trying to lose. But you can still find positivity there. And I think uh, Greg Popovich is doing that. Are we, I think the whole- are we ending the podcast right now? No, I'm just saying that. Um, oh, I thought that was quick. I'm, I'm sort of reminding myself and some of the listeners that, uh, you know, it's a different, when, when you're in that locker room, it's, it's hard to grasp why there's a debate about taking it all because it's there. Of course it's, you know, Sir Edmund Hillary, you do it cause it's there. Uh, you, that, that, that's, you play to win the game. So I, I think that there has been reasons to be encouraged. If you're a Spurs fan, encouraged about the current core, um, that I think it's going to get to a point where whether they make this play-in or not, whether they do anything with the play-in, whether it's just a one game and out, or whether they get into that eight seed, um, there's still the question of what is next. And I think that's what drives the whole tanking discussion. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at it from a cold, calculated, you know, 1,000-foot view, probably the best thing this team could have done was to be in these games and to play for these stakes and to have these games go down to the wire but lose, lose most of them instead right. of winning. Like instead right. of instead of winning three games by nine points on that road trip, lose three games by nine points on that road trip. Um, yeah. And and because because you do you do need to maximize your draft pick at some point, but I, you just they're just good enough for it. You can't you understand why the, they're just not going to sit because ha- what would it take for them to tank? How are they going to out tank some of these teams that are trying to tank? They're I mean, not- they they you know. As as important as that game at New Orleans was, you know, Devin Vassell's a little sore. Well, we'll keep him out. You know, we're not going to push right. guys to the limit. Lonnie Walker's been out. Like, when you don't have a bunch of stars, like sitting out role players that are easily replaced by other role players, you can still, you know, have the same outcomes. The only way this team is going to be, be able to actually lose games on purpose probably would be to sit DeJounte Murray for a long time, and they're just not going to do that. And how could you do that? To that guy? Right. I think Tom brought up on a recent podcast um, something that, again, those of us outside the locker room don't think about, but that these guys just, they haven't been on national TV all year. Didn't Devin Vassell yeah. tell Tom that? <laughs> There's still guys who like, they want to play in a big game and, and the, the play-in game is on national TV and they haven't been on national TV all year. So, I think that was Jeff, yeah. Oh, it was Jeff? Okay. Yeah. Um, it's I, just I was, it's it was something interesting, so I nationally, I naturally assumed that it was Tom and not Jeff who said it. <laughs> Shut uh, up. <laughs> an easy, easy mistake to make. Um, and looking at the whether or not, and this is not uh, up to the Spurs, obviously, but just the whole question about whether the play, what the what has the play-in tournament added? Um, if you look not, like at the standings today, and we're recording this on a Wednesday morning um, in late March, under the old eight-team system, um, 
teams that would that teams that would not be in it now would not be in it under the eight team system who are in it now basically are just the Pelicans and the Spurs and the Lakers. And I'm talking about both conferences because like in the, like in the East, the nine and 10 spots would be fighting for the eight spots. They're all very tightly bunched. So all there, there would be 10 teams in the East fighting for eight spots. Uh, the bottom 10, bottom five teams in the East would be out of it in the West everybody below the Spurs and Lakers would be out of it either way. So basically all the play-in has done is, has made the last several weeks more relevant for three teams in the whole NBA. I'm, I'm wondering whether that's worth it or not. Um, but I guess that is a topic for more influential, more powerful people than the, uh, the hosts and the, the panelists on this podcast. Um, but it, it's, it's the way it is and it's, it's what the Spurs are going to do. Yeah. On, the problem the, the, the unfortunate thing for the Spurs draft pick is they became the best crunch time team in the league <laughs> in the mm. month of March, like right at that time. And it's funny because they have that, I think it's 6-0 and in those crunch time minutes or crunch time games oh, wow. now. But like the last two, the one at New Orleans and the one at Houston, it was like holding on for dear. Like they didn't play great down the right. stretch of either of those games. They were just holding on until time ran out. You know, they yeah. – they, they're kind of just backing into this thing, which is which is also probably frustrating for Team Tank. Um, yeah, uh, it, it it just the whole playing thing just adds kind of weirdness. Where 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 I think fan bases are sort of divided, um, even maybe front offices are divided. But again, I think you did make another surprisingly good point in that no one who's tanking. As, I think nine teams probably are tanking in this league right now. Um, none of them really have a great shot at the at the play in anyway. So anyone who is in in the play in race conceivably has a chance to get in the play in is still making a quote unquote effort. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna speak for our whipping boy Sacramento Kings, but I have a feeling if they were tied for tenth right now, they'd be going for it. I think you're probably right. I think they might be going for it even harder than the Spurs, considering how long they have not been in the playoffs and how. Mm-hmm many high draft picks they have sort of frittered away and, and wasted and realized that the draft pick draft doesn't solve everything. One pos- another positive for your local cagers is even if they, uh, even if they don't maximize their pick and, and to be clear, if they make the play in and lose, they still have some lottery balls. They just don't have many lottery ball combinations. They probably end up 11th or 12th again. Yeah. Yeah, um, they'd have a chance to win the top four. But this year, they also have pr- almost certainly two other first-round picks. That Boston Celtics pick keeps getting lower and lower because the Celtics, led by former Spur, maybe not led, but um, uh, uh, assisted by former Spur Derek White, have, have, have charged towards the top of the Eastern Conference standings. So <laughs> that pick might be in the late 20s. But the Toronto Raptors... Uh, as long as they make the playoffs and they're now in the sixth seed in the East, that pick will convey to the Spurs. So the Spurs will have three first round picks. If they want to get creative and, and package some together and move up a little bit, they can do that. If they want to take three shots, they can do that. But the I'll also say this for the listeners who are watching, going to watch the Final Four this weekend. Your Spurs have three first round picks and there are approximately like 15 Duke Blue Devils who could go in the first round. So there's a chance that a Duke Blue Devil will end up on your Spurs next year. 
another one. Something, something to watch. Another one. Yeah. They already got one. I, yeah. I talked to Trey Jones about some of these Duke prospects. You know, he's, he's, uh, he's, um, this will shock you, but he, he's high on all of them. I was also shocked to he thinks, see that he thinks they're all going to make good pros. Yeah. I, I was shocked to read in the express news on expressnews.com where we have great deals available. Uh, it might or may not have been in the Spurs nation newsletter, but that's a good thing to subscribe to that. Uh, uh, Spurs broadcaster, Shauna Elliott was high on the uh, Arizona wildcat phenom, Benedict Mathurin, uh, Matherin. Um, that was, that was also shocking, but he'd, he'd be an interesting pick, but yeah, the, the, the way these final couple of weeks are going to play out. And Jeff mentioned it earlier. There are two games against a Portland trailblazers squad, which has no interest in all at all in, in winning. Um, they have completely, they've shut down a bunch of guys. They are, they are completely team tank. So your Spurs should get two victories this weekend. Uh, theoretically, but other than that, the schedule is not easy. Um, and, and Jeff mentioned earlier that the Lakers might not win again, but the way you see it, Jeff and Tom, who is, who is going to prevail in these, in these um, two play-in spots in the West? I, I, I think the Spurs are going to get that 10th spot. I just think there's just the Lakers are just such a mess. And now, you've, you know, they might have Anthony Davis coming back, but now you've got LeBron James hobbled. Um, like just the vibes coming out out of that locker room, the quotes you're hearing aren't great. You got Frank Vogel yesterday basically saying LeBron's injury was the worst thing, but like the worst blow to our psyche that's ever happened or something like that. Like it just doesn't sound great for the Lakers to win enough. I mean, the Spurs are going to, you know, unless something weird happens, they're going to get two more wins against Portland. If they can pick up a third somewhere, I think they're pretty much a lock. That would be my guess. And if I'm looking at it, they do have those some tough games down the stretch, but you don't know what those teams are going to be doing. One of those teams, their second to last game is against Golden State, who is not going to have Steph Curry. If Golden State's locked into anything, I can see Steve Kerr sitting a bunch of guys in that game. Um, yeah. Same with the same with the season finale in Dallas. If things are all all locked up, so they'll have some chances. They might have some chances to beat some skeleton crews as well. So I think if they can, I think two wins might get them in. I think three almost definitely. So if they can find that third win somewhere, I like their chances. Are we underestimating Drew Eubanks's motivation? Uh, no, we might be. I would never underestimate Drew Eubanks's motivation. I just, I just and don't think well he. Can, I, I just, uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I just don't think he can carry that team all by himself. <laughs> I don't know. That might be underestimating. We'll get to the, the Spurs fans. We'll get to see him twice this weekend at the AT&T Center and his grand return. I cannot wait to see the video, the, the video tribute to his time with the, the San Antonio Spurs. I'm telling you, it's One, just going to be all his sideline reactions to dunks, other yeah. guys' dunks. One factor to consider about the Lakers, and, I, and you're right, they are a mess. They're completely melting down. And three victories by the Spurs might be enough these next couple of weeks. But the Lakers don't have their own pick. So, like, in, in a typical year, if they had their first-round pick, the Lakers might be tempted to just say, you know, forget this. Let's, let's just fold, let the Spurs have the 10th seed and, and, and call it a season. But, like, I don't know. They have no incentive at all not to try as hard as they can to get in, other than just I mean, old veterans on their team just being fed up and wanting to go home, wanting to go to Cancun. 
Right. <laughs> it might just be and a, a that, that, one, two, that, three, can't situation. Not, speaking of things that shouldn't be underestimated, there's that. Um, yeah. The Lakers, I mean, if you talk, I you know, the Lakers played in New Orleans um, the night after the Spurs played there this last week. So I was able to cross paths with a lot of our uh, brethren scribes from L.A. And they all say, like, the Lakers wanted bad. Like, they've been trying. You know, they yeah. might just suck. That might just be the thing. It's not a lack of motivation. It's just they suck. They suck and they're old yeah. and they're injured. So I think that's going to be their demise more than um, officially packing up shop or anything like that. This is um, com- almost completely irrelevant to the topic at hand, but I did notice last night, I don't know if you guys saw it, our f- a friend of the podcast, BT, uh, of the LA Times, Brad Turner, got into a little exchange with Russell Westbrook on Tuesday night in the uh, in the post-game press conference. And and BT handled it well, kind of asked the question. Russ Knight back at him, BT stood up for himself. But this is being, the reason it, it was noteworthy is because it was being aired live on the Lakers post-game show, uh, on which Robert Ory is uh, the, the analyst. And so they go back to the studio and uh, Robert Ory and the host of the Lakers postscape show are laughing about this exchange that Russ and BT had. And then Robert Ory says, Hey, let's FaceTime BT right now, like live on the, on the postgame show. And, and Robert Ory pulls out his phone and holds his iPhone up to the camera so they could FaceTime uh, Brad Turner as they're walking, as he's walking out of the press conference. And uh, I just, I, I, I could not imagine, uh, you know, Matt Bonner doing that with Jeff McDonald after a, after a Spurs post game thing and how Jeff McDonald would react if he was being FaceTimed on the, on the post game show. I thought that was sort of hilarious. Uh, but anyway, the, 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 the tensions are getting sort of, uh, sort of high over there is, is, is the point. Um, and uh, I, the Spurs, I guess, can, can benefit. Well, yeah, Pop says it is getting getting guys in these situations. And I, I don't know what, what. Sure, I mean, I, I guess I agree. I mean, that's there's pros and cons. That's the pro. The cons, the yeah. cons are you 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 minimize your draft pick. What is what have I missed uh, on the court? Has there been any notable developments uh, that will have a long term or by long term, I mean uh, relevant into next season. Uh, I mean impact. Jock Landale made a big step back three at New Orleans. Like if he can do that on a regular basis, they got like a basically a Luke, Luka Doncic on their hands here. Like that could be your next star. Uh, is there anything that Tom Warsworn can contribute on a, of a more serious <laughs> nature? Uh, Josh Richardson uh, continues to be. Um, you know, make that trade look good. Uh, just, just his uh, contributions um, defensively. He's he's uh, among the leaders in three point percentage. Uh, what do you do with him next year? Seems like a good fit for this team. He's under uh, contract for next year. Yeah. And by the yeah. way, by the way, the point of that trade was not Josh Richardson. No, it was the first round pick. Yeah. But what to to your point. Like if you do get something out of Josh Richardson and he does become a productive member of the rotation next season, which you're suggesting that he has the chance to do that sort of uh, uh, gravy, gravy, that's gravy. That's uh, that's, 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 
you know, that makes it all the better that the trade you you got, you have that first round pick. And if, if, if he becomes a guy that you can use for the future, all the better. He's sort of playing better than Derek white right now. Yeah. The, yeah. No quite. I mean, it's three point shooting um, has been the biggest thing. I think. I mean, how you watched, I, you know, I don't want to be this guy cause it's all small sample sizes, but you like, you watch Josh, Josh Richardson and go, what well, Boston couldn't use this guy. Like Boston, why, why was it so important for Boston to trade for Derek White that they gave up a first round pick and this guy? Not nothing against Derek White. I mean, I guess, I guess I understood the trade at the time, but watching Richardson more up front, more up close, he does a lot of similar things. Like he's a good defensive guy. He's scrappy and and tenacious, and um, you know can do some things for you on offense. He's not a star. But he's a good reserve guy. Like I, that. Spurs kind of look like they, they made out pretty well in that deal, both with the player that they got, who, like you said, wasn't the point, and also the first-round pick that they get to use. So that, that has been interesting. Uh, the other and, – and I'll let you guys um, handle this because you've been, you've been out there with the team. Um, youngsters who could use this. You, you talked about Pop wanting to see these guys benefit from playing in, in meaningful games. Well, what have the – what of the youngsters, the guys who are, are not quite proven, and I'm thinking of Josh Primo and Zach Collins and even Vassell, throw, throw, throw those type of guys in there. What, what, what have the last few weeks or the stretch run meant for them? I mean, Primo, just as an NBA player, I mean, I, this is going to sound bad when I say it, but he's been underwhelming in his, with this opportunity. Um, but you also remember he's the youngest player in the NBA. He probably shouldn't look like a 23 year old who's done this before, but you know, he hasn't set the world on fire. He's, they, they've basically been starting him. He hasn't set the world on fire, but I don't think that's the, the point. It wasn't for him to set the world on fire. It's for basically for him to start and play and suck, be in games in the fourth quarter and suck. Um, do some good things, do some bad things. Don't worry about it. Keep playing. Um, and just learn the rules. By the way, this is the, po- this is the podcast that is, is, is supposed to be like a beacon, a, 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 a representative of a family newspaper. Like, you know, clean it up, sir. You've used that what word 19. About? You've used that word 19 times in this podcast. Come That's on. That's not a bad so word. God, what are you like? <laughs> Do our listeners get a drinking game out of this? Uh, I know. Jeez. Show some, show some, show some intelligence, some, Jeez, some class. Like, like my pastor would use that word. You're, you go to a weird church. Anyway, um, you were saying about okay. Josh so Primo. put them, they put them on the floor and let them do some good things or bad things. Um, uh-huh. Stink, don't stink. Stink some more. Stink to high heaven. <laughs> don't stink as much. Stink like the stinkiest stink that ever stunk. Um, uh-huh. But just keep playing. Just keep playing through all of it. Um, and that's kind of been the point of playing him. Um, I lost my train of thought because you had to come here and be like, come in here and be the damn network sensor. Colin showed a lot in that first half against Portland. That was probably his best uh, stretch in a game of the season. Uh, pardon? Revenge game? Yeah. Uh, you know, he he was two for two from outside from from three-point range, and that's that's something we're seeing more of him. He's He's uh, feeling more com- comfortable with these guys to shoot three-pointers. And, uh, yeah, he kind of showed a flash of what he could become. Um, mm-hmm. And some people have been down on him 
but I'm my, my gosh. I mean, yeah, as long as he was out, let's let's be a little patient with the with the guy. And still only how old? Twenty-four. Twenty-four. Um, they don't make I think you with with that guy, they don't make uh, guys that big with that skill set. They they don't grow on trees. And I think you just have to for all the years that we heard um that the Spurs should have played their draft picks more. That they don't don't send your don't keep your your youngsters who aren't ready down or up geographically in Austin. Like let them have a chance to learn in the NBA. Well, this those guys, Josh Primo and uh, Zach Collins, you're seeing that. I mean, they they can be frustrating on a night to night basis for the fans out there who are used to seeing teams trying to win um, and, and winning more um, in the old Spurs days. But this is sort of uh, what people were asking for, for several years now. I mean, to the growing pains of letting those guys struggle. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think on one hand you can say, Oh, they should have played, you know, name your youngster, Kelvin Johnson, Devin Vassell, whoever more in the, in the NBA in those early days than they did instead of keeping them in Austin. You can't complain about that. And then also say, um, Oh, Josh Primo and Zach Collins are struggling. We're giving up on them. Like um, this, this is, this is sort of what you wanted to see the Spurs do. And now that That they're doing it, I I think you live with it. That was the point I was going to make about Primo when I got off track. Um, Uh You know, the Spurs are playing for the play in, but it, it's, you can still tell it's not like from the management coaching, it's not the 100 by God percent um, right. goal, because if, if it was, if it was super important to win that game in new Orleans for your playoff or your playing chances, you know, Josh Primo is going to have a quicker hook. He's not going to be able to make a couple turnovers in a row or a couple defensive busts in a row. Pop's right. leaving him out there to do that because um, it's development is still the number one thing. And if they happen to win games along the way, Speaking of that plan, then so be it. But they're they're doing a lot right. You know, it's not like they're, you know, playing Josh Richardson forty minutes over Josh Primo. They're they're playing a good mix of guys, and they're giving the young guys a chance um, to develop, to play, to make mistakes, and and not having a quick as quick a hook with those guys as you might if you were really 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 playing for something. I think that's fair. I think that's a that's a cogent. A uh, piece of analysis and something to end on. Like if 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 the Spurs really were going all, all out for playing, you know, they would have back to the beginning of the season. They would have been playing Thad Young all year. Yeah. <laughs> Thad Young would have helped them win more games. They wouldn't have traded Derek White. Um, they would have done a lot of things differently. So I think you're right. They they are kind of um, uh, focusing on development, but not minding winning. And that's that's a probably a pretty good approach to have. Uh, well, you're not going to out. That gets you're you not going to outtake place. the Rockets. You're not going to outtake the Thunder. Uh, you're not going to outtake the Orlando Magic. So um, I think we're going to end that. We're going to end this way the way we've ended a lot of them um, this season, and that uh, things might even whether you're team team tank or team go all out for the playoffs. You're probably not going to get everything you wanted, but you could probably get a little of what you want. And that goes for uh, all of you listeners out there on a day to day basis. Focus on the little. Uh, that you're getting that you like and forget about the rest and take care of each other and what the heck, keep it real. Keep it real.